Hey guys, it's Pete with Starting Strength to give you an update on all the events that we have coming up. For complete seminars, the next one on the list is going to be in Wichita Falls on March 6th through the 8th. Woodmere, New York is sold out, as I said before. Then Denver, Colorado on May 15th through the 17th. And then we have another one on the list in Wichita Falls on June 26th through the 28th. We have some squat and deadlift camps on the list, next one being in Savannah, Georgia on March 28th. Then we just added Phoenix, Arizona on May 9th. And still some spots left in Bellevue, Washington on May 16th. For our new three lift camp that covers the squat press and deadlift will be in Baltimore on May 17th at 5x3 and then in Singapore at Hygieia Strength on May 31st. We have a pulling camp on May 3rd that's the deadlift and power clean in Woodmere, New York. We have a double camp going on in Seoul, South Korea. On June 14th in the morning the guys will be conducting a squat camp and then that same afternoon they'll be conducting a pulling camp covering the deadlift and the power clean. Just added a nutrition camp to the list will be in Chicago on May 16th. For meets coming up the next one will be in Omaha on March 14th. That'll be at Testify Strength and Conditioning, and it'll be a USAW weightlifting meet. After that, it'll be March 22nd at Woodmere for a deadlift only meet, then Phoenix, Arizona on April 18th for a strength lifting meet, then back to Omaha on April 25th for a strength lifting meet, and finally on May 9th in Omaha, another weightlifting meet sanctioned by USAW. On April 18th, Starting Strength Denver will be hosting Stan Efforting with his Nutrition and Strength Seminar. For details and information, head over to the Starting Strength Denver Facebook page. And if you're looking for Starting Strength Gyms or want to request a Starting Strength Gym in your area, you can head over to locations.startingstrengthgyms.com. And for any more details and registration information, as usual, you can head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, Starting Strength Radio. Hi. It's Ribby. We're here on Friday, like we always are. Whether you want us to be here or not, we're here on Friday for Starting Strength Radio. And uh, this week, we're going to just kind of ramble about some topics that are of interest. We're going to talk about the Starting Strength Method. and There's some extremely important details between what we do and what everybody else does. And we're going to discuss these. But first, come and see. 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 From, From uh, the haters. Comments are kind of boring this week. I mean, you guys have got to do better than this. Exercise. All right. R-E-3-I-R-E. T-H says, exercise improves body composition, therefore RIP is not a fan of it. Training, on the other hand, makes you stronger, sir, if, even if you're a fat fuck, it's all good. Was that English? Not his first language. <laughs> is it? No. Uh, all right, uh, R.D. Park says, uh, I could just listen to Rip tell bear jokes all day long. No homo. <laughs> I think he got a lot more out of the bear joke than I had put into the bear joke. I think R.D. Park's not really here for the podcast. 
That's what I think. All right, and Roberto Garza. Roberto. Ethnic name. Roberto Garza. You like that? Irish. Sounds like an Irish guy. Er, you are, right? Er, fat, slash, unhealthy, not impressed. Try that at a healthy BF 20% or less. This is in reference to my 500-pound deadlift. I'm too fat to be to be pulling 500 at the age of 60 for our Irish friend Roberto. Well, Roberto, me by. <laughs> I didn't see your deadlift. Do we need to see Roberto's deadlift? I would love to see it. We'd all love to see that. You go ahead and post that, Roberto. Tell him to post the link in the comments. Put. Put on a green shirt, flaunt your Irishness, and uh, post your deadlift, okay? <laughs> and that's uh, comments, comments from, from uh, the Hades. <laughs> bottom 2%. We've got it winnowed down to the bottom 2% because the, the, the 1% above the bottom top bottom 2% got tired and went away or learned how to read or (laughs) developed some kind of, you know, it's a full employment economy. Maybe they're working at McDonald's now or, you know, are they smart enough to work there? Washing tires somewhere in a detail shop or that's more likely, you know, yeah, something like that. Or maybe they're farmers, you know, Michael Bloomberg today told us (laughs) Told us how easy it was to be a farmer, you know, because he's done all that, you oh, know. Man. He's he's done all that farming shit, and he knows how easy it is. Just dig a hole in the ground, put a little piece of corn in it, cover it up with dirt, put water on it, <laughs> corn plant grows. And this guy's worth $62 billion. How incredibly easy must it be to be worth $62 billion if you're not that fucking smart? What? Have y'all seen president? He will be our next president. Have y'all seen Isn't that amazing? They're all just going to roll over on their backs and let Michael be the fucking nominee because they hate Donald so bad. He's been uh, sending his, uh, his press team out to a bunch of uh, like uh, Instagram, a bunch of social media with lots of followers. And asking them to promote him. Oh right. Yeah. And it's well, it's, no, he's paying them no, to yeah, promote. Yeah, that's it. Asking is not the yeah. operative word here. Yeah, he's paying. He's them. paying them to promote him. But some of them are just telling him to go eat a dick. Yeah. Oh, speaking of dicks, I got a package today. I got a package today in the mail. Came in, little padded package. I open it up. There's an envelope in the padded package, and there is a box. So I opened up the, the envelope first, and there's a picture of a girl on the front of it going, or something like that, you know, just smiling at me. And I opened it up. It says, press here. And it's a recording of a girl coming. She's going on and on, and, you know, apparently it's pretty good. And she's going on and on and on and on and on. I won't stop. She's coming, and I'm going, my God, what a girlfriend. You know, because she just won't 
I, this is an impressive situation, right? So I open up the box, and inside the box is a little chocolate dick about that long. <laughs> and what I thought was, well, this is a direct replica of whoever sent me this, whoever sent me the card, you know. So I, I, I take it over to Carmen in the office, and I, I showed it to her, and she said, what the hell is this? <laughs> she said it's about a third smaller than it ought to be. No, about about a third as big as it ought to be, and it's not near, near nearly dark enough. <laughs> Swear to God, that's what she said. So I thought that was funny. And uh, so I went back in my office, and... Uh, the, the goddamn card is still laying there on the desk, and she's still coming. So I did whatever I, what I usually do with women who come too loud and too often. I got my hammer out of the top right-hand drawer, whacked it. It shut up, threw it in the trash. I don't know what Carmen's going to do with the little bitty micro dick chocolate thing. Uh, well, you can't let chocolate yeah. go to waste. We'll give it to somebody. I just don't know who's interested in it. Well, none of our, none of us are interested in a dick, no matter what size or color it is, and all of our women expect better. Doesn't mean they always get better. Doesn't mean they always get it, but <laughs> <laughs> when they do expect it, especially when it's optional like that, you know. Oh, oh look at Bree's all blushing. <laughs> oh God, here, hold on just a minute. Look. That better? Okay. It's a, it's a cool shirt you got there. It's kind of cool, isn't it? It's our friends in uh, Anaheim, uh, Bottle Logic. Have a bar in Anaheim. What's the back of it look like? Looks just like this. Bottle Logic. Bottle Logic. Established 2013. 2013. Isn't that interesting? That is cool. Uh, nice guys. Yeah. Free t-shirt. I wonder if they've been using that logo since. I don't know when they started using the logo. It's be interesting to find that out. Yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, all right, today uh, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about some stuff that I was uh, thinking about last night while I was trying to sleep. You know, I can't be the only person on earth that wakes up in the middle of the night. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night, you got to get up to pee. You'd have to pee, come back, and if you're lucky, you lay back down, and you hadn't gotten real awake, and you go right back to sleep. But sometimes your brain gets busy, and sometimes that little interlude of an hour in the middle of the night when you're thinking is productive, and uh, sometimes you think about things that uh, uh, you're uninterrupted by people walking in the office and everything. You have a chance to just lay there with your own thoughts and think, and I was thinking about what makes starting strength so completely different than every other uh, exercise program, strength program on the on the planet, basically? And uh, I, I, you know, we may have some things in common with some people, but I think that our our method here is is developed quite a bit more than lots and lots of other people's method uh, and and really it's it's 
basically two there are two components of the starting strength method there are the exercises and their performance component we've analyzed the exercises and we've tailored them to exactly uh, to, to do exactly the thing I'm going to talk about here in a minute and then there's the programming component and the programming component couldn't be more simple we find out where you are and then we on the first day we teach you how to do the exercises we find out where you are in terms of your strength level and then we go up from there so uh, and I've mentioned this a couple of times in the past, but it just occurred to me that one of the most interesting things about the way we approach barbell training is that everybody else's program that's that's involved in in uh, especially in the commercial side of commercial side of fitness is concerned with muscle groups. And with with muscle bellies and with body parts, and our program is not concerned with that at all. We're not concerned with your quads or your hamstrings or your glutes. We're concerned with the movement patterns that you perform, in which those muscle groups become an important component, but. We, we essentially ignore the muscles themselves, and we just think about the movements of the body through space. Now, I guess uh, one of the ways you could think about that would be to say that we are more concerned with the skeleton, with skeletal movement, than we are with the muscles that move the skeleton, because... Uh, Basically, when you interact with your environment in a physical sense, what you're doing is you're applying force through the contraction of your muscles to the system of levers that, is, that composes your skeleton. Your skeleton is a system of bony levers. You've got a bone, you've got a joint, then you've got another bone. And the joint moves as the bones come closer together or move further apart. Muscle contraction produces this effect. And when we squat, when we press, when we deadlift, when we bench press, and when we do the Olympic lifts, we're doing movements. I'm not concerned with where the quads fit into that, except that I want them working. I'm not concerned where the hamstrings fit in into that, into that pattern, except that we don't want to leave them out. We're concerned with muscle mass in that each one of these movement patterns uh, that we perform has been tailored to utilize the greatest amount of muscle mass that we can get into the movement pattern. I'm not concerned with which particular muscles we don't do glutes we don't do hamstrings we don't have favorite muscles all of our muscles are our favorite muscles we want to use as many of them as we can and and if you look at most commercial fitness 
products, especially those that predate starting strength in 2005, what you'll find is that most of these things are concerned with muscle groups. If you go in to any gym that features machines in the gym, the majority of the machines in the gym were designed to work a muscle group or a, or a, a muscle belly. They're designed, to, they're designed around assembling enough muscle group exercises to constitute what they consider to be a whole body workout because God knows if you do 15 or 20 different machines and the uh, machines all add up to the whole body, then you've worked the whole body. And this is kind of not true if you think about it. The, the body works in interesting ways. The body is developed, bodies evolved to utilize lots and lots and lots of muscles at the same time. This is how we can do amazing things like climb trees and dig holes and pick up things off the ground and run and jump uh, without having to worry about activating our glutes. Okay, if you're involved in an exercise program that wants you to be aware of a muscle group or a muscle belly during the contractions that, that produce the movement pattern, then that's kind of different than what we do. We don't think about the glutes when we squat. We don't think about the hamstrings when we squat. We don't think about the quads. We think about moving the skeleton. We think about the hips. We think about the back angle. We think about the knee angle. We think about all these angles that change with varying levels of activation of varying amounts of muscle mass. And what we're trying to do is maximize the amount of muscle mass that's involved in all of these foundation exercises. We are concerned with the muscles working together all at the same time, not making sure we have worked all of the muscle groups separately because the body doesn't work the muscle groups separately. That's not how your central nervous system uh, is set up. It's not how your anatomy is set up. It's certainly as hell not how your musculoskeletal anatomy is set up. The squat is an extremely complicated movement pattern. That's why it's so damned hard to coach. All right, it's, it's difficult to coach because of the fact that so much of the skeleton is involved in the motion and so much of it can go in such a variety of different directions. And there's, a, there's an optimum way to make it work, an optimum way to work the skeleton, to move the skeleton, so as to involve the greatest amount of muscle mass in the longest effective range of motion. But at no point in that discussion do we even consider whether or not the quads are getting enough work. Uh, we don't want to leave the quads out, okay? Uh, for this reason, we, we need some forward knee travel at some point during the squat. But there's an optimum place to put that forward knee travel in terms of the way the movement pattern works the rest of the muscle mass that's not the quads. And this is what we, we 
like to talk about. We want to we, we talk about technique. We talk about technique. And when we discuss technique, we're talking about using the greatest amount of muscle mass over the longest effective range of motion. And that discussion is for the purpose of making the time spent under the bar efficient and effective in terms of getting stronger because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to strengthen the normal human movement patterns that everyone engages in if they're capable of moving through their environment. We want to strengthen those movement patterns a little bit at a time, and we want to do it in a way that makes the best use of the time in the gym and makes the best contribution to the strength that is utilized in all of the other movement patterns that you engage in as a part of your daily existence. Uh, we want the whole squat movement pattern stronger. We don't want the quad stronger. We don't want the glutes stronger, the hamstrings, the hip external rotators, the adductors stronger. We want the movement pattern stronger. And if we strengthen the movement pattern, having performed it correctly, then all of the muscle mass that creates the movement in the movement pattern strengthens as well. And now that it's stronger, it's stronger for any other movement that you might choose to make with it. And this is one of the things that's, that's irritating about modern strength and conditioning at the uh, institutional levels that you see on the Internet. Uh, I, I'm not concerned with the, the, the way the strength will be used by the end user. Okay, I'm not concerned that an offensive lineman has his feet in a certain position as he comes off the ground and hits the defense. I don't care what that movement pattern looks like. I want his squat strong because if we take his squat from 315 up to 505, then in whatever configuration he chooses to place himself to utilize that increased strength, the strength is there. The strength is built in a general way to strengthen the movement pattern. And then once the squat movement pattern is strengthened, then the athlete is stronger. And whatever other use he comes up with for that strength, whether it's offensive line or tennis or riding a bike or uh, – fencing or gymnastics or whatever other use he he can he can make of that then he's going to be stronger having gotten that way the most efficient and effective way possible now it's our job on the strength training side to figure out the best way to squat okay and if we figure out the best way to squat and we can most effectively make the athlete stronger with the way we have analyzed the squat and the way we perform the squat. Then it's up to the athlete or the sport coach to figure out the best way to use that strength. The process cannot go the other way. We don't care how the athlete 
and I'm speaking athletes right now, I'll talk about normal human beings later. It, it's not our job to figure out how the athlete is going to use his strength. It's our job to figure out how to make him stronger. And then it's his job and the sport coach's job to figure out how to use that now stronger athlete in the most effective way. But the production of the strength is dependent entirely on the correct analysis of the movement pattern we're trying to get strong. And the analysis must show us how to manipulate that movement pattern so as to involve the greatest amount of muscle mass, thus making the time spent under the bar more efficient, and the most effective range of motion over which to train that muscle mass in order to produce, not for the sake of going through the range of motion, but for the sake of producing the greatest amount of strength while loading that range of motion. So this is kind of a different approach than uh, is normally considered in strength and conditioning. We are not particularly interested in how the strength is going to be used. We're not interested in the muscle bellies that get involved in, in making that movement pattern occur, except that we don't want to leave any of them out. Okay? We're not in this for physique. We don't care what we look like as a result of having done the exercises. We're not physiquers. This is not about aesthetics. This is about strength. This is about making a movement pattern stronger. It's about doing the best you can with the time at your disposal in the weight room to make the most difference that to, to maximize the potential of the person that we're training in terms of increasing their ability to produce force against an external resistance in their environment. If we take a kid that comes in the gym and on the first day he squats 115 pounds for three sets of five, and over the course of six months we get him up to squatting 325 for three sets of five. And this isn't remarkable. This is what we do every day. This is normal. Then we have essentially tripled his squat. And most importantly, we have helped him uh, toward the limits of his potential for strength. He can, he can go a lot further than that if he, if he chooses to stick with it, and we hope he does. But... Leaving that undeveloped is a gigantic, serious mistake, and it happens all the time in modern strength and conditioning. It happens in, in bodybuilding-focused types of strength and conditioning uh, where we're concerned about quads and glutes and delts and, and abs and uh, hammies and calvies. Calvies, the Greek, the Greek. Greek philosopher Calvies. Probably a little dry for some people. We used to talk about that all the time back with Star at the YMCA. Time to do Calvies, the Greek. We actually said that, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, we don't care about buys and tries and all that other shit. We, and if, if you're 
you're looking at it that way, you're not looking at movement patterns. You're looking at muscle bellies. And that's, that's not the best approach to this. The best approach is the one that makes the movement pattern stronger. Uh, there's several modern strength coaches that, that are still hung up on the idea that, you know, you've got to make the physique look a certain way to achieve a certain level of performance. That's never been the case. That's never been the case. There have been very, very strong, strong power lifters that didn't look like bodybuilders at all. Not even closely, not at all. No, nowhere, no way. They, you can't tell by looking. And the fact that you can't tell by looking ought to tell you something, right? And then there's the other side of modern strength and conditioning that never even gets to the point where strength is a limiting factor. If you have replaced the ability to produce force sufficient to finish the fifth rep of a set with an instability problem that must be solved before any force can be produced at all, then you have created a situation in which a movement pattern can't get stronger because strength depends on the accumulation of the ability to produce greater amounts of force. And that's what the magic of five pounds of workout three days a week does. That instability balls and light dumbbells and ipsilateral movements where you're changing from the right to the left foot in front of you and switching the dumbbell in the air, all of this shit. That, that doesn't make you stronger. And the way you know it doesn't make you stronger is because the weight doesn't go up. The only thing that changes is the movement pattern. We want the movement pattern the same every single time. This is one of the primary features of our approach to this thing. It's boring. Okay? It's boring. Because you're going to come in three days a week and you're going to squat. And you're going to hopefully squat exactly the same way with five more pounds that you squatted the previous time. Exactly the same way, because by then we have dialed this in, and we know how you're supposed to look when you squat. We know how to teach you how to do it. We know how to reinforce that correct squat every time you're there. And our coaching is the movement pattern. We're coaching the movement pattern. We're looking at the movement pattern. We're not looking at the quads. We're not looking at the muscle bellies. We're looking at the way you move your body and the barbell through space. And we've analyzed this and we've thought about it and we know what the best way, know the best way to do it. We know the best way to do it. We've, we've done this for 42 years. I've done this for 42 years, and all the people that work with me have got hundreds of thousands of hours of experience, of on-the-platform experience. So, yeah, we've thought about this quite a bit. We've spent lots and lots of time. We, I've spent 42 years dealing with this. I've taught thousands and thousands of people how to do these movements. I've taught thousands of them in the gym and many, many more thousands of them in our seminars that we've been conducting for the past 15 years. We, uh, our staff and myself, have accumulated 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of contact hours with with people that were teaching how to do these movements. We are very good at this. And what this means is that when we tell you how to do a squat, in order to involve the greatest amount of muscle mass utilized over the longest effective range of motion that you can manage during the exercise in order to lift the heaviest weights, which makes you stronger, then we, we have got this down. And we're learning things all the time about how to coach these movements, what to say to people, how to, how to cue more effectively, how to correct things that, uh, that we encounter as common errors in the process. But the, the pattern, the model we're trying to coach is pretty thoroughly sorted out already. And I think we've got this down, and I think that we've got a very good case for the, the type of movements that we teach. And uh, this process is, has been fine-tuned over the past 15 years, and we're doing as good a job as we're doing a better job than anybody else in this industry in terms of teaching you the basics of barbell training in order to get stronger. So there are, there are important differences in the way we approach things, and the, the best way to, to think about this is that we are coaching movement patterns. We're coaching normal human movement patterns, and we're loading them incrementally so that the normal human movement patterns that everyone engages in as a result of having hips and knees and shoulders and a back and arms and elbows and ankles, the normal human movement patterns that present themselves, we are loading those incrementally. Now, our loading mechanism is just as straightforward and logical as it can possibly be. We didn't invent anything new here. Oh, we didn't, we didn't invent the concept of five pounds. You know, if, you're, if your first day in the gym is 115 pounds for three sets of five across, and the reason we do the three sets of five is because decades of experience have taught us that that's the most effective way to do this. And yes, we've tried all the other permutations, and nothing works as well as the, as the three sets of five across especially for squats and presses. We use one set for the deadlifts because experience has taught us that this works better than anything else. And it's not that our minds are closed. It's that we know better than that. Okay. So the, the loading of these movement patterns that we've analyzed for you and know how to teach you how to do is very, very straightforward. Uh, it, it puzzles me that there is any resistance to this at all. I mean, what on earth could be more logical and straightforward than a squat just below parallel loaded with five more pounds than it was the last time? And then five more pounds than that, and then five more pounds again, and five more pounds again, until I quit working. You, you, what that will do every single time is take a kid who walks in the gym from 115 to up in the 300s 
Now, that's an astonishing amount of strength to gain. It's an astonishing change in body composition. And one of the more significant aspects of the changes that this process makes is psychological. Uh, I don't think this has been appreciated thoroughly enough. If you take an underweight young man and you bring him in the gym and you take him from a 115-pound squat at a body weight of 165 up to a 365-pound squat at a body weight of 200. I, I, I don't think that most people appreciate the effect that that process has on the kid's brain. Uh, you know, you, you've got, you know, youth is a hard time in, a, in everybody's life. All you old fuckers remember that. I know you do. I know you remember being uncertain about everything you did. I know you remember worrying about what everybody thought about you and all the shit that you go through when you're a teenager, right? We take a kid like that and we bring him into the gym and we hand him a process through which he is in complete control of his physical self. All he has to do is get under the bar and squat five more pounds for three sets of five. It's right there in front of you. It's in the book. It's in your training log. This is what you're going to do today. Now, you just got to figure out a way to get under the bar and do it. And if you can figure that simple thing out, then you can make a difference in you. Now, it's not a giant leap to understand that that process applies to other things as well. That's not a big, giant, philosophical problem to grasp the idea that incremental efforts accumulate into gigantic cumulative changes. That process applies under the bar, but it applies in business and in learning things and in music and in hobbies, and in expertise of all sorts. And that is a tool that the bar teaches the trainee. Okay, now, we've been talking about athletes. For, for a kid, uh, it's one of the few things in their life that they can control and directly affect. Yes, right? yes it is. Gym. I put in a certain amount of effort, and here is the result of that effort. Right. And, and for a kid, it's it's a it's a quick feedback loop, you know. So the the more weight on the bar, more weight right. on the bar, and a kid who can embrace that process keeps that lesson throughout their entire life. Absolutely, they it's do. Massive, they massive they may not get to choose whether or not they're gonna eat lunch at school. They may not get to choose where they're gonna what they're gonna do after school. They may have to go to work. There's all kind of things that they don't have control over at that age. But they do have control over getting under the bar and squatting five more pounds. When you have a kid that's a, that's massively introverted and you put him through that process, they tend to start building that confidence and they're able to talk to people more. Oh God, yes. And, I mean, we've seen this. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Chase, 
when Chase was a little kid, when he was in here, when he was 12, little blonde-haired kid, couldn't hardly talk, you know, shy, good little kid. And, you know, over the course of this process being applied to him, everybody has noticed that what you've got now is a completely changed personality. He's a fine young man, mm-hmm. you know, and he'll tell you what he thinks, and he, he is he's confident, he's assertive. confident assertive, useful. And it's a result of this process. Exactly. It's a result of the process. Exactly. You know, he, had, he came from a good family, but by the same token, a lot of people from good families end up as pieces of shit. Yeah. yeah. You know, happens all the time. We all know people like that. The discipline that you are taught, that you teach yourself, this is really critical, mm-hmm. under the bar. You teach this to yourself. Under the bar. And by what, what I mean by that is when you get down to the fifth rep of a PR set of five that you've never done before, you're at three sets of five. You're on the fourth rep of the third set. And you don't know for sure whether the fifth rep is going to go. Right? You have the, the option of putting it up. You can quit if you want to, you know, lots of places that's encouraged, right? Hey, it's an RPE of 45 or something. Just drop it. Just drop it. Just uh, don't try that. You know, that's, you know, if you're going to consider pussing out of that fifth rep data and justify it like that, well, yeah, it's done all the time, isn't it? But if the kid is a good enough kid, to where he says, I don't know whether I can do this last rep or not. It, that fourth one felt really heavy, but by God, I'm going to find out. And he rides it down. It doesn't matter what happened after that. He learned something. He's demonstrated some balls and some gumption and the willingness to push the envelope. Right? If he goes down and he comes back up, he learns something. Right? If he goes down and he can't get back up, he also learned something. Either way, he's got data. Right? But if you don't try it, he doesn't have the data. All he has to write down in his book is 365 times 4, which is not the same thing as 365 times 5. Or 365 times 4 plus 1 miss. That's different. That's different. You you concluded the set, but if you rack it, you have mislaid your tools. You have the tools to develop character here, right? And all you've got to do is, is just have the guts to try and there is no better mechanism for this than barbell training. There is no better mechanism for this than a heavy squat. You're under the bar. One of the wonderful things about, uh, about the squat is that it's scary. Right? It's, you can't get out from under a squat unless you're willing to tear something up. Right? 
you're mashed under a squat. You're trapped under the squat. And uh, you you are face-to-face with your limits quite frequently under a squat. And there's, you know, barbell curls don't produce that kind of a, that kind of a stress. Uh, leg extensions, you can always just set those down, right? Uh, barbell training is a, is a fabulous tool, not just for getting strong, but for teaching your brain a new way to operate. And uh, I don't think that's emphasized enough. You know, any, any one of my kids that are consistent, that they come in here, they put in the work, they do everything I ask them to do, I can look at them and, and fully believe that they are going to be successful adults yeah. because of how much discipline they show when they get sure. in here. All my you kids can, that put out, I see. You can tell which ones are worth a damn, exactly. can't you? Exactly, yes, yes. And to a certain extent, you can, you can teach them. This is the important part. Now, some of them aren't going to learn it, okay? Yeah. So, I'm sorry. It's true. Some of them aren't going to learn it, yeah. right? But the ones that are willing to learn it, you know, if you've got a little kid and he gets down to the fourth rep, he's supposed to do five with it. He says, Rusty, that last one was hard. And you say, I know. Can you do another one? And he says, no. And racks it. And you take him out from under the bar and you ask him, listen, why'd you tell me no? Are you sure you couldn't have done that? He says, well, I'm not sure, but it sure was hard. And you say to him, look, I'm standing right here. I'm not going to let you get hurt. Next time that happens, I want you to show me what you're made out of. And I want you to try it. And he says, okay, and he does the next set, and he actually tries it. That's a salvageable kid. I believe so. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Now, if he puts his shit up and leaves, well, that teaches you something too, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, they're not all, you know, not all humans have the same potential. I wish that weren't true, but it is. Uh, we pretend that it's not true, but we all know that it's true, mm-hmm. right? And to say otherwise is just pretending, right? Uh, barbell training is an is a extremely powerful tool. Uh, and it's not just for kids either. I mean, I've got, uh, I've got older guys that have started training with us over the years. And uh, I, this is something really that needs to be explored more thoroughly. Uh, what I'm told is that guy starts training, 65-year-old guy starts training. Uh, he comes in, he's not doing a damn thing. You know, he comes in, he starts training, he's, he's not very strong, he's a fat guy, he's out of shape. Three years later, he sticks with it, and he's got his squat up in the 300s at the age of 67 or 8. He's got a squat up in the 300s. He's deadlifting high threes, maybe 400. His bench press is two and a quarter. He's pressing 165 pounds over his head. You know, he's gained muscular body weight. He looks different. He acts different. And here's the interesting thing. He's perceived differently 
by his friends. A guy like that remembers walking into a room full of people he doesn't know and how he was treated when he walked into the room. And he notices that now that he's standing differently, that he's muscular, he's got a he's got power, he's got a presence, he notices that people treat him differently. Now, I can't wait to see the comments from the haters on this. <laughs> but what I'd like for some of you guys that know exactly what I'm talking about because it's happened to you, I'd like for you to comment and back me up on this because I know it's true, and you do too. Uh, you're, you're treated, you're perceived differently when your physical strength goes up, but it's not just your physical strength. It's the things that happen in your head that make you think about yourself differently, that cause you to be perceived differently in social situations than previously you were. And this is a, you know, this is a, this is a terribly important, this is a terribly important effect of strength training. Um, you know, I, I don't think that the, the profession of psychology understands this at all. I really don't. I don't think that they understand that there is actually a mechanism that can be applied to a human that improves their psychological capacity, their psychological makeup, their self-perception, their perception by other people. It's a process. It's a process that involves something as fundamental to the DNA is strengthening the body. It's a physical adaptation to an environment that you, the trainee, choose to place yourself in. This is what adaptation is. It is the ability to change your homeostatic level to match that of the environment. And what barbell training does, what strength training in general, but barbell training in particular does, is give you control over the environment to which you are going to be adapted. You choose the environment. The, the changing nature of five pounds of workout adapts you to an environment that you previously weren't adapted to. And this adaptation is evident to you as it occurs, but it don't, don't discount the fact that it's not, not also evident to other people because it is, it may, that all may be happening at a subconscious level. I don't know. Uh, but if you walk in the room and you're standing up straight and you're bigger and your neck's bigger and you got, you know, bigger arms and lats and you're standing up straight and you're looking things straight in the eye. That's a, that's a, you're perceived differently than some guy that walks in all stooped over and not wanting to make eye contact with anybody because he's not confident in himself. A guy like that's not confident in himself. The best way to get confident in yourself is to give yourself things to achieve, hard things to achieve, and achieve them and grow through the process of making that adaptation, choosing to cause an adaptation to happen to your body is 
is as a side effect is choosing to cause adaptations to your brain and your personality as well. And those are the things that are perceived by other people to be very important. So the starting strength method is, is basically two pieces that fit together into a perfect puzzle. All right. There is the, our analysis of the movement patterns and the fact that we're strengthening the movement patterns by performing these exercises correctly and that we're not concerned with the aesthetics that come along with worrying about muscle groups. And the other half of that is the method by which we execute the exercises over time in order to obtain an accumulation of physical strength. Both are fairly straightforward. There's nothing terribly complicated about this. But if you're going to understand how this works, you have to not be distracted by peripheral shit that, uh, that has a way of inserting itself into your attention span. And back to aesthetics. These things are, you know, important to some people. They're really basically important to everybody. Nobody wants to look like shit. But if you are paying close attention to your squat depth and your deadlift technique, your low back in the deadlift and a nice straight bar path on the pull, and you're, you're paying attention to your presses and your benches, you're diligent about learning correct technique in the power clean and the power snatch, Aesthetics take care of themselves. This is one of the one of the most important aspects of this that that we understand we just don't dwell on. All right. Nobody goes from deadlifting one eighty five to five hundred without a major improvement in their physical appearance. All right. When you look at a muscular man. A strong man, what you see is basically the things that happen when you deadlift. You're going to see a bigger neck, bigger delts, bigger arms, lats, and muscular hips. This is what you see when you look at a guy who has gone from a 185-pound deadlift to a 500 deadlift. All right? And... We have not worried about the aesthetics at all. We've worried about the numbers on the bar and the technique that we are using to do the pulls. We have worried about the squat and depth in the squat. We've worried about making sure that technique on the bench press is correct and technique on the press is correct. Press is extremely sensitive to technique, and that has to be paid attention to. And if we take care of all of these things that contribute to correct exercise execution and the, the correct way to program a strength increase over time, then aesthetics are a side effect. Aesthetics happen accidentally. Aesthetics are something we don't have to pay attention to because we know that if we increase our strength that much, that the adaptations that our body makes that allows these things to accumulate have changed also. And it changes your appearance, and we don't have to worry about your buys and tries. Buys and tries take care of themselves. 
And this this process is 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 terribly important. I think that uh, those of us that that handle clients on a daily basis and see these changes occur over time all understand that aesthetics is important, but that we're addressing it in a completely different way. And we address it in a way that ends up being much more effective for improving aesthetics than the guys that go in the gym and hang around at the dumbbell rack all afternoon and then do, you know, they ride the treadmill and go home. Our method's much more effective for every aspect of the things that we are trying to affect. It makes you stronger. It makes you bigger. It makes you more confident. And it makes you look better. And all you got to do is five or six very basic exercises done correctly. Learn how to do them correctly. Get some help from us if you need it. And program correctly small incremental jumps in the basic exercises without being distracted by the functional training bullshit that you're seeing on the on the internet all over the place on you know you don't need unstable surfaces you don't need light weights you need stable surfaces and heavy weights cuz they work better okay not leaving anything out boys and girls you're all are all satisfied with this well all right anything else we need to talk about Oh, wait. If I don't do that occasionally, it gets all googly. Nothing's worse than a googly mustache. <laughs> you notice I trim my eyebrows down real short because nothing looks weirder than Mark Twain here in 2020. If I didn't do that, you guys would hate me. I trimmed my nose hair last night, too, for the record. Good grooming is very important. Good grooming. Huh? Clean shaven I am. Looking real good lately. I think it is. It's unfortunate that more people listen to this than watch it. Yeah. Isn't it? It is. I think everyone ought to watch it. Would you say it took you 60-odd years to come to this peak form? Or is this this, a, this, 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 or is that day past? I'm... Uh, I'm probably as good as I've ever been. Is this the final form? <laughs> well, no, because there's always tomorrow, Rusty. There's always tomorrow. It's not. It's not final till it's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that was funny. Okay. Well, I know you're as good as you've ever been too. So thank you for joining us today. They're better for listening. On Starter Strength Radio. Yeah, if you want to just listen, I certainly understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So be with us next time. All right, next Friday we're here every Friday. Just so we'll see you then. Thanks for watching.